Okay, Daniel, you're back in Blighty, having had what sounds like a fun trip to Ghana over over Christmas and New Year. Chala, yes, it is. I mean, it's almost it's almost embarrassing how much I love going. I mean, it's so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but it's so embarrassing that in the airport when we left in Accra, and also when we landed in Heathrow, young people significantly younger than me came up to me and said. I've seen you in the clubs, basically, <laughs> and you're clearly having the be- a better time than anyone else who's there. And I think, I mean, obviously, I'm like, yeah, Jewish uncle, so I, I, I am noticeable. But also, I guess, like, there is, like, you would have to try very hard to f- feel happier to be there than I do. So, yeah, I, yeah, Ghana is obviously an awesome place. And for us, it's kind of, it's home. I mean, we, the, people we like make with friends with the hotel staff they've watched our daughter grow up and actually I, 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 I missed this but one of the guys we know in the hotel like came and when we left just came over to say goodbye and gave my daughter a motivational speech about him expecting to find out what she's up to when he's back in the village and I wasn't there but <laughs> both my, my daughter and my wife crying by the time he'd finished and so I guess like those kinds of things and I guess yeah we my wife and I with not weird words I ever thought I'd speak, got into Black Sharif, The Guardian, and that was, yeah, that was, yeah, fuck, totally ridic- ridiculous privilege. So, so yeah. Very nice. It was good. I mean, I still, I mean, I still got to watch the Nottingham Forest game and what was the one? West Ham. Oh, and the one we won, the Villa one. Villa. West Ham and Villa. Yes, yes, yes. I did, I did indeed, I did indeed enjoy those. Yeah. Not, not that good, actually, apart from, when Villa decided to make it, how can we how can we help this team win? This <laughs> yeah, game? yeah. Oh, I, I, Let, oh, I let's know. camp on the halfway line and let us let the opposition bypass us. Yeah, it was uh, it was strange tactics from memory that one, but yeah, the rest of it's not been very good, including United versus Weekend, which was not an awesome game of football. I mean, comfortable enough, I guess. We we might struggle to fill half an hour's chat about this particular game. I mean, it's been a while since United played Vig- Wigan. Vig- Wigan. Johnny, you know, you know, Johnny Evans played in the last game that we lost against Wigan. Um, more than, oh, more man, than 10 was, I was at, I went, <laughs> yeah. I was at, I, w- I went last night and I was also at that one, the Sean Maloney game. That was, that was a, that was a bad, bad day that was. Yeah. I remember we saw Skulls outside in his suit not that long. United did arrive not that long before kickoff because we saw them and Skulls was in his suit and then, I think cleverly played in that game, right. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. having not played in months and months. And it was one of those third games where just shit went wrong, really. And I think we'd beaten Wigan in every single game that we played against them since they got promoted yeah. until until that one. Yeah. Oh eight and oh nine away to Wigan were excellent. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Carabao Cup final before that. Or whatever it was called in those days, Carling Cup. Milk I, Cup. I was actually I missed out. I was in South Africa for a friend's wedding, and I remember at the time thinking I'd sort of, sort of quite pleased to miss it because the idea of like watching them. I think I was probably aggravated with them for the two years previously, and watching them cavorting round after thrashing Wigan, while. Fergie made a twat out of Rude, even though yeah, it had yeah. to be done. <laughs> just like that whole that whole experience would sort of. Yeah, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind missing that. Yes, 
Well, I was going to say it's easy to forget what Rudy had achieved before then, but no, it's not easy to forget, to forget that at all. But yeah, it, rather undignified to be unceremoniously dropped like that by Fergie for that particular game. But yeah, 20 years on or whatever it is, 18 years on, uh, Wigan, I guess they're thankful just survive. I mean, there, there have been times over the last two years where they might not have survived as a club after Dave Whelan died. They had a lot of financial problems. They've been deducted points in our league one, been taken over by a consortium of local businesses and look like they're sort of in a position to, to reestablish themselves at a level. I doubt it'll be in the premier league anytime soon, but yeah, I, yeah. So them just being alive is good for them. Yeah, and I mean, they're actually, I guess I haven't thought about it like that, but when you, you say that, they sort of remind you of how great the cup is because I bet, and maybe I'm wrong, but I bet most Wigan fans would happily, would happily accept everything that's happened to them since they won the FA Cup for winning the FA Cup that day. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, for sure, yeah. And what a day it was also. Like yeah. The way that, that extended Fergie's retirement party was so good. Uh, yes, thank you, Wigan. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was going to say yesterday, but um, Sunday was... Uh, Monday it was yesterday. Uh, yeah, I'm, lo- I'm losing the run of myself here, but that was their highest attendance at the DW Stadium for 10 years, which gives a kind of sense of, of the malaise they've been in for a little while. Um, they were rather small time about it as well. I always think it's kind of, uh, yeah, very small timey club to be cheering loudly every misplaced pass or misplaced shot from the opposition. I mean, we had 34 of them yesterday and most of them were misplaced. So <laughs> there's quite a bit of cheering from the Wigan crowd. Yeah, we didn't emit very strong good football team vibes, I didn't think. No, not really. Yeah, I, I, I. United or this incarnation of United is pretty good at like playing down to the level of the opposition. So I, I have to say, I didn't have a whole lot of hope before the game that we were suddenly going to string together five or six goals and a magnificent performance or something like that. I kind of expected about what we got, which was never in doubt. And, you know, Bruno conveniently finding a toe to fall over was, was helpful in, in making sure it was nice and easy and all of that. So. It's it was a penalty though. Yeah, oh, for sure. It, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's still a foul. Yeah, it was, it's just, <laughs> it's just like I, I didn't really like because it was we were down the side and we were towards the other end and even from there, like and it's kind of like quite an oblique angle. Yeah. I felt like we we what we talked about, we saw exactly what yeah, happened, yeah, yeah, yeah. and from from basically the whole length of the pitch away, it was obvious what had happened. So. It was weird that that would be one that would even be discussed. But, but it, everything it has to be. Back to the same thing. Yeah, everything has to be. I mean, if someone pulled out a shotgun in the penalty area and blew the striker's head off. People, hey, like in the last Boy Scout. They, people, yeah, is that, you know, people would debate whether that was a penalty or not. The, the merciful thing was the referee made the decision and then it was a penalty and we didn't have eight min- minutes of faffing around with VAR to decide whether we'd argue about it afterwards anyway. So... Um, yeah, it was just... that was refreshing, that, the, the, the absence of VAR. And what was also refreshing was um, a winger going on the outside. I mean, it's it's absolutely nuts that apparently Garnacho's brother tweeted that after Villa that he'd never played on the right, right. wing in his life. Find that find that so hard to believe, but I guess why would I not believe it if he said it? I mean, I thought it was weird that Ten Hag waited so long before trying in bed. Yeah. But 
I think that might be his position because... Well, the, he, certainly in this incarnation of United. I mean, that's the for United right now, that's the best thing for him, isn't it? But I think just in general, like we've got this centre forward that never gets to the ball. How are we gonna? How are we gonna service him? Mm-hmm. And you need wingers that want to cross early. And the thing with Garnacho is he's so quick over the first two or three yards. Even if the opposition have a left back who is bigger than him, and that's the only way they're really gonna properly be able to stop him is by being bigger and there aren't that many of those around he's still so quick and at that because what happened in the first sort of 20 minutes of the game he'd get the ball on the right and he'd try and cut in on his left and he'd sort of be trying to go across the face of the box and you've got to be two three men you're getting your shot blocked or it's going off target and flying like you're slicing it most of the time anyway I mean obviously he later hits the bar doing that but as soon as he realises that he can just beat the guy on the outside every time, he's only, you've only got to beat one man and you're in. Once then, you've got the defenders facing their own box. And that is how you need to service that defender. And particularly if you've got Rashford on the left, who is not a winger. Then if you've got Anthony also wants to come inside, suddenly you're very narrow and you're not getting balls into the box because also your fullbacks aren't great at doing that either. And someone who can get down the outside of a team is is useful and... I know Garnacho's a good finisher, but when you play on the right, you've got a, he was going, you got, when you play on the left, you've got kind of running diagonally towards the goal. When he played on the right, he was sort of running laterally across, across it. So as soon, as soon as he started trying to go down the outside, the whole, the whole game changed. Yeah. There's an interesting piece of data, which I saw somewhere and I can't remember where I saw it now that, um, amongst the top six, seven, eight clubs, something like 90 something percent of all minutes of wide players now are inverted right so there's very very few so play the minutes upside down yeah yeah that's it <laughs> like right on the left and left on the right footed that is and it's very very rare now amongst the top teams to to find a sort of traditional winger who's going to go on the outside and get across in. And we've seen this in part when everyone's looking at Polistri and he comes on, he's very direct and he says a few positive performances, but barely ever gets a chance. And we're all kind of thinking to ourselves, why? And and a part of it is tactical. And I think that's why Ten Hag's been so reluctant to try this, you know, try Garnaccio on the right and see what happens. And it's you're right it's much easier for him to go on the outside and and play the role of creator now and more difficult for him to play the role of finisher although i suspect like he did yesterday he'll drift into sort of attacking areas and come up with opportunities anyway so for the moment it feels like a good solution for united i mean certainly going to be more productive than fucking anthony there I mean, playing Anthony, not fucking him. I mean, what image that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here are 10 men for United and Anthony getting fucked by someone just for oh. your entertainment. It's worth trying it and uh, we'll see what happens in in games that aren't of, of the standard. You know, we've got Spurs coming up next week. At Old Trafford, would he play both Rashford and Garnacho? Very, very direct players in those forward areas, or is he going to be more likely to revert back to Anthony? I don't know. I, but... I, I, well, he can't drop Garnacho. I mean, I feel like with Rashford, I'm at the if someone offered proper money for him, I'd take it now. And I don't, I, I don't say that with any joy in my heart. And it's not because he was dreadful last night, although he was dreadful last night. Is that? I can't envisage a situation where he's ever consistent. And then I think 
it's looked for a few years that his have always sort of the best, the best second choice you could have, like best sort of utility forward you brought in because he's also a good sub Rashford. But the money, if you like, could get good money for him, then yeah, that would probably be quite helpful. And I, I, I feel like I, I am at the, I would take the money for him now. And the thing about Garnacho coming back to it is that they will have to make a decision really on what they think he's going to be in this team in the summer because it's going to affect what they buy. Yes, it will. I mean, the other two things affecting what they buy in those wide forward areas are Rashford and his contract, which makes a sale kind of unlikely, given that the size of wages he's earning now puts him into what five or six clubs in Europe that could afford him. And uh, most of those are in the Premier League. So it's basically, it's it's Paris, isn't it? If Paris want to replace Mbappe with him, then... They then, could do it for that. sure, and if they don't, if if they don't, then we'd we'd probably be stuck with him, which is not a dreadful outcome. But if Garnacho does turn out to be a right winger, I'd definitely be wanting to sign him some very serious competition for the left. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the other thing with Rashford is obviously he's homegrown, and uh, the club generally have been reluctant to release homegrown players without. So, oh, like partly it's because you need enough homegrown players in your squad just on eligibility rules and UEFA rules and stuff like that. And partly it's, he's one of our own, but it's, it's it's, emotional connection. Yeah. It's, this is now the fourth, the third year out of four in which he's been dreadful. The, the blip was last year when he was great for most of it, except right at the back end of the year. So I don't know, is this the real Rashford and, and the one where he scored 30 goals a season like unusual i mean statistically that's true or is there something that's been holding him back injuries in those the two previous campaigns and something else just this year that we don't know I, I i don't know it i mean it's it's not yeah we've had more than six months this season now and ten Hag has not been able to get something more out of him and it might not just be rashford it might be emotional personal tactical as well they're all playing into his lack of performance but it's definitely a lack of performance and he was pretty crap last night and i don't remember the last time he was actually very good villa villa i do he was excellent yeah he was excellent against villa he was and he scored a really he scored a really nice goal against forest as well yeah. but he was crap otherwise in that yeah, yeah so very good goal yeah. that's it like he'll 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 he's, he'll never be reliable and i mean watching the game it kind of felt like well Mainly and Garnacho are good and the rest of them are wank. It's come to something that we're putting our store entirely in a couple of teenagers. But I mean, Mainly are getting excellent last night. I mean, I, I, mean, I suppose not you, really because so, you could, they're special and yeah. you're special and you can see it. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, like, um, it, there's the level of Wigan. Okay. And we can do that caveat. But once again, Mainly just look completely comfortable. Every time I watch him, I kind of think that. Casemiro's involvement is is becoming a bit more redundant. I think for the rest of the season, trying them together will be a very nice option in terms of giving United a pretty solid base to attack from. Um, or, or maybe it just releases Casemiro because we've seen that he's actually a good finisher and gets into the right positions and stuff like that and just has general all-round quality, which is higher than Scott McTominay's, who's in the team solely to score goals, and he doesn't do that anymore either. But I, I love watching Maynew. I mean, I, I, every time I saw him for the the reserves in the academy side, he, he kind of stood out in terms of his quality. Not, not always in terms of his kind of presence, 
have to say, but with a lot of younger players there, inconsistent as well. But he always kind of felt like he was just a cut above and always just seems to have more time than everybody else and picks the right move in terms of his body shape and pass almost all of the time. Yeah, exactly. It's it's good, right, right decision. No, understanding what needs to be done on the football pitch and when. And he wins a lot of duels as well. Right, and it seems to be uncanny that he would do that, except the reason why it happens is because it's timing, timing of tackles and angles of runs. Like that one where he pegs it back last last evening. He pegged... And it's, it's the angle of the run that enables him to do it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure he's got more to offer going forward as well. So keep saying this, I think, but like the idea, we almost really like if you're making a signing for the midfield, you basically want another him. You want a kind of six, eight hybrid who can, because you don't want to limit him to either of those positions. You want, so you want someone who can carry the ball, you can take it on the half turn. And you can pass it and tackle and all of that. You want, yeah, you want something quite similar to him, probably, because, yeah, he, you, you want to make sure that you get everything you can out of him. And as you say, yeah, he played, I mean, he still, he did still give the ball away for the one opportunity that they created, which he also did against West Ham. So does need to watch that. But otherwise, yeah, he still, he just looks every bit as good as we thought he was going to. Because I think that some players you see at that age and they look good. And I mean, I guess I was, I, I saw James Wilson at that age and I really thought he would make it. Mm. But in general, sometimes you see players who just see them at age group level and every now and again you see one and you just think, this kid is making it without a shadow of a doubt. Like I remember seeing when Robbie Fowler playing for age group for England and saw Phil Foden. The first time I saw Phil Foden, he was playing age group for England. And sometimes you just see one of those players and you just, you just know that if they stay fit and don't get into trouble in any kind of way, then, then play at the top level. And he's, he's definitely one of those. Yeah, for sure. And a, a real bright spot for the second half of the season, I think, for for United. I mean, there, there, there has to be, at this point, a reason to not have him in the side. And, and that reason could be, don't want to burn him out with too many games. Yeah. And especially since he's had a big injury. Um, and, and for sure, that's completely legitimate. But in terms of the balance and composition of midfield, I'd want him in there as often as possible. And I really wouldn't worry about the quality of opposition when doing that. And of course, he's going to make mistakes, but he he's, he's already starting from a very high ceiling. And given the limitations of every other central midfielder that we've got, I don't know that it's like the competition in the squad that is his problem. So. Yeah, he's, I mean, him and Garnacho, uh, they're in the team now. That if we were playing in any kind of big match tomorrow, both of those players would play ahead of other older ones. They're, they're, they're in the team now. And that was always, yeah, I guess that was always something I hoped for this season. So that is, I guess, a bright spot that those two would be in the team as soon as possible because I felt like they were coming and they were ready. And, and they are. We just need a few more players now. Yeah, yeah. Being the same. I mean, I guess the one disappointment again, Hoyland didn't score and he was given two decent-ish chances. I mean, the header is, uh, I looked it up, 0.29 XG. So maybe it was harder than it looked. Oh, it was because of the speed, but, the speed of the ball and how quickly uh, he's got to arrive at to even get it. And, get and under he's under it. pressure. Yeah, that, that, uh, yeah. that was so. a difficult chance. That, that the, the one that hit him, that went off his knee, felt. I mean, I only saw that once from in the ground by the side. Looked like he should have scored. Yeah, 
And after the sort of passion of scoring the other week and the the sort of relief, it's a disappointment that he didn't he hasn't got another one very quickly. And well, you know, yeah, so. it's not. It's. I think the thing with him last last night was, was didn't feel just so much like the goals that he didn't score. It was that first touch needs a bit of tidying as well. It's not so dreadful that I think you're just not going to be good enough, which is what I thought after Langer played a few games for the first team. I can't see. I, like, I can't see that you'd ever be good enough because of the first touch. Just so not good enough. But I don't think that about Hoyland. But he does. He does need to smarten up the link play. I think. And mm-hmm. but if he just stops as soon as he knows that balls are coming in, he'll stop making the same runs. And I think that's one of the problems over this season is there. Are, there aren't haven't been any patterns of playing that Hoyland can anticipate to get himself into goal scoring positions. Mm-hmm. But, Hopefully, hopefully now that we've got Garnacho putting balls in, that that might change a little bit. Mm. But some of the general play yesterday, goodness me. Uh, I mean, it wasn't high standard. All any of it, really. <laughs> I mean, so were slow. The, like yeah, the ball yeah. just goes back forwards, yeah. and then it goes backwards, and then it goes forwards, and someone has a look. And then they have a look and they take a step forward and then it goes backwards. It's just like, what are you dickheads doing, man? Like, it's just, the, they don't really understand how to get the ball through the middle of the pitch, through the second third. Yes, well, they've had, yeah, no, you're right about that. It's actually the, the two phases there. So they've, they've had trouble going from central defence into midfield. And a lot of that has had to do with Martinez being out and he's... Back training has been back training for quite a lot of time. Is now back in full group training. Not sure whether we'll see any of him against Spurs. If not, it may someone well be the, someone from the, the mail, the I think, said that said that he might play against Tottenham. All right, and that is going to make a big difference because he moves the ball quickly into midfield, and then yeah, the link play between central midfield and Bruno and then Hoyland is a problem, and it's a problem last night because Scott McTominay is getting in Hoyland's zone all the fucking time. And I was like watching it going, what the fuck are you doing there, dude? That is not your role. And I just think he's one of the most inept. Uh, I'm just going to go off on a rant about him again. and I don't want to do it, but it's one of the most tactically inept footballers I've ever seen. Uh, and he has no place in this team whatsoever. Love you, Scott, for the goals you score now and again. But yeah. So I thought, no yeah, good. like Bruno in that pass, in that phase of the game, Bruno was too, probably a bit too close to Hoyland. Also. But- so Dallo, there was one moment in the second half where Dallo inverts and he gets a really good pass. But just instead of turning on it, he just sends it straight back where it came from. If you're, because obviously if you've got your wingers high and wide, then one of your fullbacks will come into midfield, but then they have to be, they have to be good on the ball. They have to know what to do. And yeah. they have to be, and we don't, we don't have any of that. We do not. No, especially if you're from fullback. Uh, if Luke Shaw's not in the team, uh, it's, it's kind yeah, of. I mean, he's yeah, back soon it, as well, isn't he? He is back soon. Yeah, I think it's the minor one. He'll probably be back against Spurs, apparently. And I don't know where Malassia is in terms of his fitness, but since they sent Sergio Rigi on back, they must be fairly confident that he's back soon enough. Or they absolutely love man of the match, Diego Dallo. Diego Dallo. back, Fernandez. Well, yeah, although there's uh, some talk about Benfica being interested in him. I don't know the truth of that. Fernandez has not been getting, he's not been getting inside very often, and partly because the captain is his rival at left back. 
<laughs> a, li- a little bit odd. Makes you question exactly how they make the choices about loans. Sometimes. Yeah, that's a smart loan. Yeah. What else do we say about it? Nothing to learn about this, really, other than, like, United through. It's nice. It's been a while. It's nice that we've got an away game at a pub site next. Kind of looking forward to that. So I think we had Yeovil a few years back. And what was the one before that? I went to Yeovil. That was when it was just after Sanchez signed, I think. It was one of those games where Herrera Herrera scores a really nice goal, but you kind of feared a bit silly like gooden over it because it's yeovil <laughs> but it's the cup and it's still special i think yeah yeah it was, it was, mm. it was nice to go yeah yeah i mean it'll be it'll be a very difficult ticket that newport or eastley it might be a few more at newport because they've got a slightly bigger capacity but eastley is like five thousand, and i don't know whether you've seen the ground it's kind of very lopsided ground with a couple of tiny little stands a giant car park yeah. and then the big, huge stand behind one goal, very oddly constructed. But uh, yeah, they are in the Vanarama, Eastley, and Newport are a division above, I think, aren't they? So yes, that, that'll, be, that'll be fun. I'm not sure when that replay is, but I guess coming up next week. Next um, week, I guess, yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Yeah, since United don't have many games in January, it's kind of good that we've got another one, otherwise you kind of lose any momentum we might have got. We've got Spurs next week and then nothing well, the weekend the afterwards. Thing. So this is kind of I rolling get, winter break, isn't it, in the Premier League's bit? Yeah. There's not, even though, yeah, there's not much sense of momentum building, is there? No, I mean, I, you can't really go, hey, we smash Wigan, therefore we get tons of confidence. I mean, and the one good thing you'd say them. about it, yeah, it didn't even smash them. <laughs> the one good thing you'd say about the cup is Arsenal are out, Spurs and City play each other next. So there's a... F- we could you know, easily least- lose another final to City or Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, thanks. I'll look forward to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose we haven't lost a cup final to Liverpool for a good few years, right? Or any cup game to Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, losing cup final to Liverpool, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. we've never lost an FA Cup final to Liverpool, so... No, no. Always nice yeah. to do something new. Yeah, let's not get there yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how they're so close to the top, really. In fact, top. They're, they they do seem to be winging it. I can't see a way that team can win the league. I'm just waiting, as we do every year, for Manchester City to run, win 12 in a row or something like that. And to, for, a, for a team that's not been very consistent, they're surprisingly close to the top as well. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, I guess... I mean, I, I guess I do... I guess I'm more willing to allow City to have four in a row at this point. I can't be doing with Liverpool Klopp Klopp burnishing his legacy by taking a title off them and having rebuilt his team in a summer. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is ultimately is that, yeah, no one really cares. Like City is quite, no one really talks about them. So it goes away much more quickly than if it would be Liverpool. That's very true. And I don't think we should put our store in Arsenal. And oh, no. Tight trousers I mean, to we win got away. Yeah. yeah. And we got away with the Liverpool one because it, they, they got the uh, null and void season. Was the exactly. That they won. Exactly. It didn't so count. Actually, it actually wasn't even. And there were no just, they didn't, yeah, there was no massive party or anything, which is so really you're kind of thinking, well, what's the point? So we sort of got away with that one. And I don't feel like. I don't feel like we need the celebrations that they didn't get to have in our lives. Maybe 
They will have Jordan Henderson back in time for that one because Henderson apparently no longer wishes to fund the lifestyle of his grandkids' grandkids um, and multiple the, generations the of the through Saudi Gerald's. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's not very enthusiastic about playing in front of uh, about 2,000 people, and, and which did have me chuckling, said that the players do not like the weather, the standard of the football, the fact they're confined to compounds, or the freedom allowed for their wives. <laughs> what did they think would happen? Exactly. Tremendous. Tremendous stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Wigan uh, and Scousers. Uh, the, I guess the other big news story this week is Jim Sancho's on the verge of uh, moving Cheers. back. Yeah, yeah. He's going to th- throw his toys out the pram again. He's on the verge of a move back to Borussia Dortmund for a half a season long loan, which I guess is the best outcome we could get right now, short of Jaden groveling back to Ten Hag and apologising profusely for his wrongdoings. That's it. I mean, I don't, it's not really even about that. I mean, it is about that, but I'd have, I think I would be trying to, would have been trying to bin him off even if this hadn't happened. He, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's really difficult to go in two footed on anyone, I think, just because everyone's struggling with something and you don't know what he's got going on. Yeah. But at the same time, it is sometimes all right to say, I think you've been a bit of a tit here. And I think he's been a bit of a tit there. And I don't, I didn't, I had enough of him long before this because he just, he just doesn't play with the intensity required of a United player and a few smart finishes and bits like soft feet touches and whatever aren't enough. And it's a shame uh, no, because uh, he's got a lot of talent. Yeah. yeah. And the the best scenario for everyone involved is that he's great, which is going to be hard for him after three months off four months off to suddenly turn it on but he'll get into Dortmund have a little bit of training before the winter break comes to a close and and the best scenario is that he plays really well and someone out there wants him or I guess the best case scenario for him is that Ten Hag gets sacked by Ineos in the summer and new manager comes in that wants to work with him and gets a clean slate but for United fans I think it's he plays well at Dortmund and we can bin him off for a decent fee if I yeah, if I'm Ineos, I, I think I don't care if I'm sacking the manager. I'm still saying I don't I don't like the way that you behave. Right, it's not exactly marginal gains, is it, to have that kind of player in the squad and being able to get away with it? So I know I, I know, feel like I know we're this not is that close. We're not that close to marginal gains territory. I don't think. I think we're just trying to yeah we're any kind of game. The, the raw the raw sewage flooding 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 the club currently. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll deal with like fucking vixen aliens <laughs> and asthma day to day. Asthma. Yeah. I'd like some of that EPO po- pouches to find their way to Carrington to sort out our. It, it would be great for the conspiracy theorist if the injury crisis suddenly cleared up as soon as Brailsford rocks up. I think that would be mwah, chef's kiss perfect. Um, right. But they'd but... just be sleeping on better pillows or something. Yeah, that'd be it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't say that him being involved with United fills me with a whole deal of glee. No, I mean, none of it should really. Uh, it's a very messy. It's a very messy situation. We've got a yeah. 
it's it, it, it is not my choice of um, perfect owner, but it's uh, better than what we had. Um, whole... I think, or at least has the potential to be. So. Oh, 100% this miles better than what we had. Yeah, like, yeah it's more, it's not, yeah, United aren't financing terrorism, for example. I'm quite pleased about that. But the whole, uh, I guess, the, the, whole, the whole British cycling thing I've always found slightly strange in that suddenly Britain is really good at cycling and no one wants to point out the correlation between how much money it costs to be good at cycling and how much money Britain is chucking at cycling. Yeah, yeah, we're just mm-hmm. the nation of cycle genius. Cyclists, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Just no one no one else really gave a shit about being good at this. Australia, maybe, and a bit of, a bit of Canada gave a shit about being good at this. No one else did, which is why. I mean, I'm not, I'm not decrying how good, like, Chris Hoy and... Chris Hoy, Chris Boyd, one of the two, and Victoria Pendleton and whatever, and what's her name? Jason. Yeah. I'm sure they're amazing athletes and all the rest of it. Yeah, but, yeah, asked. Yeah, I mean, it's for different reasons. It is a sports watching strategy. It's funded what are effectively minority sports through the lottery to get outsized games and it was always that it was based on your performance you do well enough you win a bunch of medals you get even more money um and it had a particularly big impact in sports that uh are very difficult to get world-class athletes in and you need facilities velodromes don't build themselves so yeah absolutely so yes it'll be very hard for them to Brailsford to rock up at united and suddenly uh turn it around like that they're going to have to do some some pretty smart stuff at the game at Wigan. They had uh, Jean-Claude Blanc, who's the prospective new CEO. I don't think, I mean, it's definitely not been confirmed, but everyone assumes that'll be the case. Brailsford, who will be his fellow member on the football club board and will, and, 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 and then David Gill, who seems to rock up an awful lot of matches for someone who doesn't really have a role, but hey, good for him. And some other bold chap who I didn't know, but looked rather like Brailsford. So, you know, who knows? Bob Hoskins? Uh, yeah, it might have been him. Might have been. Don't know. Uh, or, or that bloke who shows... That bloke who shows houses on the telly. Dion Dublin. his name. Not Dion Dublin. The other bloke. Before him. Forgetting his name. He was homes Under the Hammer and all of that stuff. Kojak? Yeah. Not Kojak. Yeah. Um, so they were all there. They are apparently, well, at least according to the Independent report yesterday, doing an eight-week assessment of United's situation at the same time looking for a football director, which may or may not split recruitment from the, the football director job. It absolutely should do if you look at like United's performance and the current structure with Murta, or maybe it just needs a more competent Murta. I don't know. But uh, we'll get some more movement on that. Hopefully plenty of time before the summer window. Because it would be really crap if we headed into another window without having proper plans in place. It just doesn't feel like that will happen. That I mean, the plans might not be good. Like they might not sign good players, but they'll be going about things in the right way. They'll be giving themselves a better chance of signing good players, I guess. And if they do get Paul Mitchell or what's his name or, or Dan Ashworth, then I guess they they'll be their heads in the game already. So they'll know 
yeah. something about who, who you might want. Delaney's piece in The Independent said that Dan Ashworth was reluctant, given the scope of his role at Newcastle, to leave, and it would take a very large financial offer. And I did kind of read that paragraph and think, hmm, someone's not moving to a new job without getting a pay bump and wants defined terms. I mean, let's just like everyone ever moving ra- to do another job. Yeah. And Ratcliffe has said that it'll pay what it costs. Like this is a vanity project. This is in its yeah. way exactly the kind of, aside from the reasons we don't want him to be the owner, this is exactly the kind of owner you want if you're going to have one is a yep. vanity project. Someone who's doing it for legacy doesn't want to take any money out. They only want to put money absolutely. in because they, they want the team to be good and it to be because of them. Yep. Um, absolutely. And, and this will be his legacy, a good team and, uh, and, uh, and a refurbished stadium. And that's his own money. If it happens, yeah. And then, well, it, and then, it's 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 also confirmed. Like Troll is is his own investment vehicle. So although he's using some of the Ineos sports staff for the moment, it's Ratcliffe's personal fortune. We'll see what happens if he if he or they get to buy out the rest of the the shares in the coming years, which, as we've noted, I think is almost certain to happen. And but yeah, and then yeah. So I guess if he what it seems unlikely that. Ashworth won't come if it is genuinely about the money. Because although he works for Saudi, who could obviously beat whatever Ratcliffe, it won't, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be 75 billion pounds of some nuclear warheads. That's not gonna be the chance of me. So whatever, whatever we bid, if he wants it, it like, it'll, it won't be because of the money that he doesn't come because there'll be a number that he'll say yes to and presumably, the lure of making United great again is quite a strong one for both suits and players. That if you if you make it good, then you'll be famous. Yeah, and you'll be remembered. Yes, and and the the key thing I think you know as we're restructuring the squad right now with discussions about Rafa Varane, who's almost certainly leaving in the summer. Now they haven't triggered that contract extension, and Casemiro, who I'm certain they take a fee for any kind of fee. And Jaden Sancho, there's three of the five highest earners there at the club, is is starting to think more strategically about what the squad makeup looks like, as well as transfer strategy, and just starting to do sensible stuff. And this is the kind of basics that every serious club in Europe does, except for United, because <laughs> we haven't been a serious club for some time. So, all important stuff. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anything else happened this week, news-wise? Top, I don't think. Tottenham, Tottenham at, the, at the weekend, I guess. Tottenham at the weekend, yeah, which is a real test because, I mean, they've been up and down this year, uh, um, haven't right, they? <laughs> so I, they, I can't accept that that is a good football team. Well, they, they're not really, at least not every week. So I feel like we owe them as well because... The way that we subsided in the second half there, having not blown them away in the first half as we should have done, sort of got their season going. And I want us to do something about that. Indeed. Yes. Um, and they're without some players, aren't they? Son's gone. Yeah, they, they've, they've quite a long injury list. I don't know whether it's as long as United's. But yeah, they've had quite a long injury list and they've had to bring in Timo Werner, who people were talking about moving to United at one stage. Yeah, that was was quite relieving. Yeah, it really was. Like the solution to our non-scoring forwards is to bring in a non-scoring forward. (laughs) 
Yeah, he's not even in the uh, Leipzig team these days. His career it's like the solution for the manager. It's like the solution to the manager without charisma, whose teams don't score, is to bring in Graham Potter instead. Oh God, jeez. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm pretty sure that might that wouldn't happen. I, I don't know. No, like, I, I even can't see that. No, that won't happen. I, 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 I don't think I, that'll happen either. I don't think it'll happen just because I, I don't think Potter for all people they may rate him in the Ineos team and he may have done a good job at certain levels. The scru- scrutiny and the pressure that would come with becoming the United manager, I think it'd be even alive, wouldn't it? It just does. I not mean, imagine seem like how metrosexual we'd have to look then. If you think about what he did when he went Chelsea, what would he then do if, if, he, if he went United? Would he then, I don't know, would he then dress up like Ian Brown? I'm not sure what it would be. I, I um, mean, we, I, look, if he, if he pulled the maracas out on the side of the pitch, <laughs> I'd be fully up for it. <laughs> we could have a we have a a segment each week uh, critiquing his technique, couldn't we? The, the interesting thing, I suppose, is they've had some players who performed pretty well this season. You know, obviously Madison was excellent early part of the season. Is, is he one of my mates? One? I don't think he is. One is my, he? No, he's not. One of my mates who supported mm. Tottenham said he wasn't sure who he'd take if you offered him Bruno Fernandez or James Madison. And I literally, I've been friends with this guy for 20 years and it just made me pre-evaluate everything I thought about him. <laughs> it's not that I don't think James Madison can play football, but you're comparing him to one of the best creators in the world at the moment. And here, yeah, and I, but your doggy looks like he was a decent purchase as well. And, and Van He's Ven, been excellent. Perhaps. Yeah. Van der Ven looks decent as well. I mean, Son, obviously, he's had a revival this season. He was pretty poor last season. Pape Matasa, who's been good in midfield as well. So, who, have they, who have they lost, though? Who's not going to be in playing in this game? Son's gone to the Asia Cup, right? Yeah, that's it. Apart from injuries, and I can't actually remember who they're. I'd have to look it up. <coughs> Has Senegal not qualified? Has Pape Matasa not gone? I assume he has. I think Senegal are in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's in the squad. It's good. Bye. Yeah, like that. Once you're taking all these players out, we really need, we should actually fuck them up. I know that's but we don't a fuck anyone up. To, I, know, I know it's a ridiculous thing to say, and it's funny actually because talking to mates about this on the way back from the game last night, that no, the only manager under post Fergie under whom we have fucked people up is Ole. Yeah, regularly quite, as well. We did it quite a lot. We did quite a lot. Yeah. I mean. I mean, even if you take off the lockdown games, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it would be so nice they've got be... Romero out, Perisic out, Madison out, Solomon out, Basuma, who's off at the Afcon, Sar, Cup of Nations, and Son Asia Cup, and Basuma's in, it'd be suspended anyway. Yeah, there you go. So they are missing some key players. There's no excuse. Uh, there's no excuse for not dealing with them. I mean, I'm, I'm, we might not, but there's no excuse for not sorting that one out at all. Uh, I am looking forward to um, uh, Big Angie's post-match press conference after United have beaten them one nil through a controversial VAR effort. Because <laughs> I do, I do like his absolute commitment with Ange. To saying mate at the end of every sentence. After every sentence, yeah. Every single sentence. It's pictured perfect. It's like every Aussie cricketer's interview at the end of a test match defeat to England as well. Perfect. They like perfect. to also always start with look. Richard look. Ponting in particular likes to start sentence, might start sentence with look, yeah. 
Look, I mean, I, I, I liked. Mate. I can't remember if I said on here. I probably, I think I probably did, but I thought he was a good appointment for Tottenham, and he was someone I'd seen at Celtic and thought if you carry on going in this direction, you'd be someone I'd be interested in having at United because I feel like you get tactical acumen with the kind of personality that can envelop a club and make people feel good about themselves and like they're part of something in the same way that Klopp did it at Liverpool. He had and he had he has done it at Tottenham, and they're not a good football team and. I don't know if it will fall apart and it will just be where actually he's not any good or if he'll just keep making them better until at some point he gets bored of not winning anything, gets a better job. Yeah, we'll see. All right. I think that's it. All right. Very good. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We will we'll be back with some backers content for backers in a second and then everyone else at the weekend. Sarah, please.